0: We have got six huge weeks ahead of for us as a church. Seems like I've been saying that a lot lately, but it just continues on. We've got six huge weeks ahead of for us. Uh, we just signed a lease on a new office and meeting space, just happened. And so in the weeks to come, yeah, it is, it's neat. Um, In the weeks to come, we are going to be saying a lot more about that. I put a little information on the back of your bulletins, but we got some huge things we got to talk about today, so we won't be able to spend much time talking about that. But we will be. We'll be soon talking about all that that means and what it entails, so that's huge for us. Also, as we're moving into the new office and meeting space, we also are going to be adding a second service. So that's happening. That's going to happen in the next six weeks too. So those of you in the back, there's Hope. Um, Hang in there. We will be filling up some or creating some more space. So that's great. Um, Also, if you turn to the back inside your bulletin, there's a green notes and quotes sheet. If you want to look at the back, in the next six weeks, we're going to be taking on some huge topics as well. We have some new series coming up that are going to be um, very, very significant for us. So that's coming up too. And the reason I'm saying all of this about what's coming up in the next six weeks is because we can't forget where we've been for the last six weeks. That's just how America works. We just keep moving on to other things. And the thing that doesn't speak the loudest, the thing that doesn't um, grab our attention, the thing that we don't feel personally usually gets set aside as we move on to other things, whether it's in church or whether it's in your, in your family. So we can't forget what we've just, where we've just been. What I'd uh, like to do then today is to quickly review where it is we've been. And then uh, what I want to do is to... to um, as best I can, give you the, uh, the best advice uh, from the scriptures that I, that I can find as far as how do we make these things stick. So, if you brought your Bibles, let's dig in to a passage that we've looked at before. One of the amazing things about scripture is it's so rich that it applies often in multiple situations. We looked at this uh, passage before from the lens of eternity when we did Heaven and Hell, Angels and Demons, that series. But we're going to look at it um, as as an exceptional text that will help us review where we've just been for the last five weeks. So if you have your Bibles, open to Luke 16, starting with verse 19. If you don't have a Bible at home, we would love to send you home with one today, free. There's a stack of them there at the table that says resources. Please just take one home as our gift to you. I'm going to jump right in here and start reading. This is Luke chapter 16, starting with verse 19. And let's go 19 through 21 first. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. One of the things that that we've learned in this series over the last couple weeks together is this, this idea that in America we've got a really warped understanding of who's rich and who's not. It's really, really warped. I was thinking um, of, of my sister. Uh, one of my sisters used to live in Long Island, New York, and she got invited to a uh, she got invited to a birthday party there in New York. And this um, this kid was a rich kid. This birthday party um, was in a family that was very, very affluent. And so my sister goes there with uh, with her daughter, my niece. They're at the birthday party, and rich mom comes up and starts talking to my sister. And in the course of conversation, rich mom starts talking about how she's frustrated with her jewelry store because her jewelry store has been charging her an extra $20,000 a month. And why she was frustrated is it was a mistake, and it had been going on for several months, and she just noticed it now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not making this up. From Long Island. She goes, I'm from Long Island. She's not making this up. So we, here we go. we got someone testifying here. So how many of you would say that that family is rich? All right. How many of you would not mind the scraps falling from their table, an extra 20000 a month? <laughs> oh, man. And the thing that was so hard to press into was when that week together that we had where we looked at the global standards. And we realized we're rich, too. If we're making $25,000, I think it was, a year or more, by global standards, we are in the top 10%. And just as we would long for her scraps, her measly 20000 that she didn't miss per month, um, there are people who are living on a dollar a day, a billion of them, a billion people. For a lot of us, we don't try to waste it, but that's scraps from our table. That's choosing a a soft drink at McDonald's versus water. That is taking a car trip across town that we didn't have to take. That's a coupon we forgot at home. That's an extra day with your red box DVD. That's the spare change in our cushions that we don't notice is missing. There are people who would long for those scraps. There are people like that, people like Lazarus. There are people who are hungry like Lazarus that we just read in the scripture. There are people who have untreated disease like Lazarus who would long to be in our situation. There are people who are in unsafe situations like Lazarus who would love to switch places. That, uh, as a quick related side note about that vulnerable situation, unsafe place, when we read the scripture from our western 21st century lens and we read that part about the dogs licking the open sores, I don't know about you, but, but my cartoon bubble in my head, I'm picturing old yeller kind of coming up, you know, and, and just loving the guy, oh, poor Lazarus, let me lick your, you know, your sores. Is that what Jesus was communicating? No, that's not the imagery at all. This is first century Palestine. These are street dogs, Right? It reminded me of when Tim Anderson and I went running in, uh, in Juarez and the dogs tried to kill us. Um, they, it, is, it is dangerous. It is these, these disease-ridden, scary dogs, street dogs that are coming up and licking his sores. They're like tasting him, you know? And not only that, not only is it scary, he's in a vulnerable spot. He can't even scare away the street dogs. Not only that, every lick is making him unclean, ceremonially unclean, Further marginalizing him from others. That's, that's what's going on with this Lazarus. He's hungry, untreated disease, vulnerable situation. You know, in our context, it's, it's hard even to, to think about that. That's the picture. Lazarus, this is, this is such a great text for our review because Lazarus is the girl in the yellow dress from week one. That's Lazarus. Lazarus is the woman who was robbed of her housing deposit in week two of our series. Lazarus is the least of these from week three. Lazarus is the modern slave from week four. Lazarus is the orphan child from week five. If you were here, that's Lazarus. That's him. Let's continue reading. This is uh, Luke 16, 22 through 23. We're going to look at it now. So finally, Lazarus, the poor man, died and was carried by angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in a far distance with Lazarus at his side. Okay, let's talk about this a little bit. Jesus is is called the master teacher for a lot of reasons. One of them is Jesus can communicate a whole lot with a few words. Don't you wish all preachers could do the same, don't you? you Yeah, it's okay to laugh on that one, because we, yeah. Um, he great economy. You, when Jesus gives details, don't miss the details. Real, real quickly. Here's just a, a little snapshot into the details with this just little section, two two verses. The rich man. It says the rich man died and was what, buried. Okay, that makes sense. He's rich. He's gonna have a nice funeral. He's gonna have a nice casket. He's gonna have quality potato salad at his at his in, after the internment ceremony. Everything looks peaceful with rich man. But what's going on? What don't we see with human eyes? Where he goes. And he's in a place of torment, the scripture describes. Everything looks great from the surface, but his eternity is is anything but great. Now contrast that with Lazarus. Here's where I mean the details are so important. It says, finally the poor man died. And was he buried? No. That's huge. That's scandalous. Even the poorest poor would be buried in that culture. That's what you did. You, you, you buried. You're dead. So Lazarus has got nobody. Nobody cares enough to do this thing that you're supposed to do. We do it in our society, even more so in that society at that time. He, he doesn't even have anyone burying him. But here's where you see God's heart for the poor. Because God himself arranges For what? Angels to carry this man to Abraham's side. And if we had more time, we could talk about all that that means. But in a nutshell, that is a place of extreme honor. He is carried right up next to Abraham's side, to a most honored place right up next to Abraham. Now, I can't emphasize also how shocking that would be. How shocking that would be to the people who heard this, especially the affluent. How shocking that would be and how offensive this parable would have been. People had been brought up to think, wealth is a sign of God's blessing and my hard work. We never think that in America, do we? They were also brought up to believe the poor wouldn't be poor if they just made better choices. Of course, that was back then and you know this is now. One of the things that's so scary about this parable and one of the reasons we pressed into this series for six weeks is because you have parables like this that Jesus told and the only inversion is economic. That's the only variable here in the story. Now, we know more than that because of the rest of the scriptures that unfolds, but in this particular parable, that's the inversion. And the implication then is we're not entitled to wealth. We're entrusted with it. It's not a sin to be rich. It's not. But to whom much is given, what? (coughs) Absolutely. And that's why we pressed in from the very beginning, week one, we talked about sins of omission. You don't want to be guilty of sins of omission. All right, let's continue to read, Uh, starting with verse 24. We'll go through 27. The rich man shouted. Remember, he's in torment. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home for I have five brothers and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read, what they wrote. That's another of the things we tried to do in this series was, here's the words, here's what the prophets warned, here's what it meant to them, and you need to pray and discern whether or not this is something that is also to speak to you as well. Another thing that we did in this series, again, we're trying to bring everyone up to speed, remind those who are here, and also bring people up to speed who who missed out on on part of this, perhaps because they were in Alexandria doing something like planting a church. One, one, One service, right, you've had so far? You're one service old. That's great. All right, congratulations. All right, uh, anyway, so um, another thing that we pressed into was how um, how this, this, uh, this language here um, is something that Jesus has, has said elsewhere. He uses this, this, this strikingly similar language. In uh, week three, we pressed into this passage in Matthew 25, Matthew 25, and the same type of thing happened there where an appeal comes from the grave. An appeal comes from the grave. It's, it's like... I think we use the, the a similar uh, likened it to uh, Scrooge from the Christmas Carol when Dead Marley comes and gives him this warning in his sleep and uh, and and Scrooge is like oh no I blew it and then he wakes up Christmas morning and he can go back you know we have because of Jesus words we've got a Dead Marley thing going on here where 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 we've got this this is hey this is waiting for some folks on the other side you don't have to wait until it's too late you can respond now to what Moses and the prophets have said and what Jesus himself said. There's a a message from beyond the grave, a message of warning and hope for all who have ears to hear. So that's our review. That's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been looking at. And what I want to transition now for the rest of the service here is how do we make this stick? The second we leave this room. All kinds of things will bombard us that will distract us from these lessons that we've learned. And Lazarus can't speak for himself. All the Lazaruses out there, they can't speak for themselves. It's part of what it means to be a Lazarus. And so how are we going to stay in touch with this? Well, I have something that I think is going to help. At this time, I'd like Mary to come on up. Mary Lochner, she was, I was at one of the Compassion and Justice team meetings, and Mary was sharing about her experience from India. So again, if you can carve out some time after the service, right back there in the Island Lake Room, this is worth your while. Well, Mary, when she was sharing, one of the things she shared about was a story of being on a train. And I want to lock in this imagery. So if you could all give Mary your full attention, um, listen to this experience she had on a train.
1: to what we were going to be seeing. Within an hour, we found ourselves at a 500-acre garbage dump. Uh, It is the location of Slumdog Millionaire, for those of you who have seen that. It isn't just a movie. It's a place where children follow the garbage trucks walking over, use hypodermic syringes and broken glass and toxic chemicals to pick up little fragments to give to the slave owner to pay the debt that their parents owe that will never be paid. If it weren't for the little school that the Covenant had there, there would be no hope in that place at all. Then we were whisked off to a leper colony um, where people, including little children, lived. Because if you are related to someone who is a leper, you're also part of the leper colony and can never leave. They presented us one by one with bouquets of flowers. People with no hands, with no fingers, with no toes. Wow, we were to get on a train and go and see more I could hardly imagine going to see more. Um, But when we got to the train station, we were directed to the wrong platform. And uh, as we ran to the right platform, the train was beginning to pull away. Wow, maybe we wouldn't have to go to this next site. Um, But no, our Indian Covenant uh, pastor host said, get on the train. Get on the train. So against everything my mother ever told me, um, we started to get on. This was a group of five of us as the train was going faster because you never know when another train will come. We got on the train, which was already packed to the gills. We found a little place to sit down, a few of us, and I thought, well, maybe this will give me a chance to just sort of regroup and process what I had been seeing. Within a few moments, a little girl came tumbling down the aisle doing little somersaults and other acrobatic tricks, while men leered at her and an older child waited for coins to be given, again for their slave owner. Sometime after that, there was a a ruckus, um, noisy group coming forward, and it was a group of eunuchs, another group of the very untouchable, extremely oppressed people groups in India, um, being crude, lewd, and obnoxious, one of the only ways that they have to make money. Um, hoping for people to give them coins, really just to go away, and to not give their children the evil eye. I got to rest a few minutes and thought, okay, maybe we'll have a little time now of reprieve, and we did. A little bit after that, I heard the voice of a man singing. It was a lovely voice. Um, And I looked around for where this voice was coming from, and I was sitting on the aisle. As I leaned down to look down the aisle. Here was a man coming down the aisle singing, and he was tapping a cane in front of him as he got closer, I could tell. So I realized that he was a blind man singing, walking down the aisle. Because I got to sit by the aisle and see closely people who walked by, as he walked by me, I looked up into his face and realized that where his eyes had once been, they were either gouged out or burned out because of the severe burn uh, scarring on his face and it hit me like a punch in the stomach. It isn't just a movie. He was the grown-up version of the little boy in Slumdog Millionaire, made blind in order to be able to make money for the slave owner. Everything in me said, get off the train, go back to the airport, fly back home where it's comfortable. But to pretend that these people didn't exist and that their pain didn't exist would be one more form of betrayal to them. And just not looking wouldn't mean that all of this pain and oppression wasn't still happening. We had no choice but to stay on the train. Thank
0: you. Got to stay on the train. That's what we got to do. Because, like Mary said, if if you get off the train, it's still going on. We just don't see it. If you're on the train, whether it's literally the train in India, whether it's in some other area, whether it's in the United States, whether it's in another country, when you're there, if the Spirit of Christ is in you, you can't not be moved. Scripture attests to that. If you're in the situation and the Spirit of Christ is in you, you can't not be moved. But what happens when you get off the train, it's so easy to become preoccupied with, with something else. So that's what the imagery we wanted to paint as we go forth. How do you stay on this train? How, how do we continue to position ourselves in such a way where we have ongoing reminders of, of what's happening in the world? So that when the Spirit of God wells up within us, we, we can respond to that. Um, there's something I'd like you to write down in, in your notes. If you'd be so kind as to, to write this down, I'd encourage you to do so. Um, this is a, 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 what I think is the, is the best way to stay on on the train. It, it's this: the best way to stay on the train is to remain in relationship. The best way to stay on the train is to remain in relationship. Because again, when you're on the train, you have a, you have a, somewhat of a relationship. And fellas, when you heard the story about that little girl and the other guys looking at her, doesn't there something that just wells up within you? And you just want to protect that girl, stand between her and the rest, don't you? There's just something that happens. You hear the guy, the story with the guy and the, and the burned out eyes, and you just want to comfort him. And you hear all these other stories, you want to do something because there's a relationship. So I think the key to staying on the train is to remain in relationship. That's one of the reasons why we as a church, we want to be more, when it comes to our, our connection with real needs, we want to be more than a mile, we don't want to be a mile wide, we want to be a mile deep. Be in real relationship with folks, so that they're not statistics that we can or can't look away from, but these are our friends, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're going to attempt something we've never attempted here before. As a church, there's a program, a computer program called Skype. Tim, come on up. Um, there's a computer program called, uh, called Skype. Are we, are we dialed in? All right, Um, and what we're doing is, there's Amy, hey, Um, what we're doing here today, this is live, this is happening right now, we are uh, connected to Juarez, uh, Mexico, and these are some folks that... uh Tim is going to introduce you, but I, I too, and I better introduce him. Mo- Many of you know Tim. Tim uh, has been here from with us from the start. He does a tremendous job there with the kids. He also is um, he heads up a nonprofit called Ace Hoops, so uh, they've been down there a number of times. Anyway, so Tim, why don't you just take it away? I will get out of your way.
2: Technology is a cool thing, huh? Yeah. It's be a, a curse and a blessing I suppose, <laughs> at the same time, but we're up and running. Um, and can you hear me okay over there? Yeah.
0: Oh my, this is crazy uh, to me. Hey, introduce we've, her too. We've if you been have.
2: down here for a couple times, and they're 1,350 miles away or something like that, but they're right here. That's just the coolest thing ever. So um, we're going to just introduce to you a couple of the kids today, hopefully just to get to know them a little bit more, their story a little bit more. And um, first we have Berenice, and, and behind her is Amy. She may look familiar to you. She is one of our own, who's Amy. down there... Um, for I guess I don't know how long you're down there, Amy. How long you're down there? Okay. Just a week, okay. So, Bernice, uh, let's give a first kind of warm ECC welcome. Um, let's give a hand. In my limited Spanish understanding, the H is silent. So let's say hola to everyone down there. Hola. 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 <laughs> Berenice, if you um, just want to mind sharing with us, you've been at the home for like 10 or so years. Uh, would you mind kind of sharing how you came to the home with us?
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Um, mi, mi papá no podía cuidarnos. Your dad couldn't help them. Eh, and Because he worked every day. Y nos en la casa. And he would leave them by themselves in the house. Y aquí, aquí bien. And he brought them here and now they're here and well.
2: Would you mind sharing then, kind of what your experience has been um, at the home, how the home is, kind of? Impacted you, influenced you. Just share a little bit about your time at the home.
3: She's learned a lot here. She's learned a lot here. If she was in her house right now, she wouldn't be studying. Estoy aquí, tengo todo lo que and when she's here, she has everything she needs.
2: Um, I read, read your story recently in the newsletter. Um, and for many of you, um, you should jump on the newsletter. It's great. But um, if you want to share with us, Bernice, your big day about a month or so ago, just kind of share what the special occasion was and um, kind of how that made you feel
3: cómo fue? ¿Qué? Pues pues no solo que me hicieron was very grateful what they did. Eh, muchos ayudaron a a poner los adornos. Everybody or a lot of people helped to
1: to decorate the place. Qué 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 qué.
3: Me saludan. Uh, to, to a quinceanera, <laughs> and I'm a quinceanera. so it was her quinceanera which is her their 15 year old the girls here have birthday parties when they turn 15 and they, throw, they have big services in the church and everybody comes Perfect. so it's her quinceñera.
2: and I think if you want to hold on for just one minute I think we even have a picture if we can get to, this is from their quinceanera um, just a, from what I understand a huge deal And there she is there in the middle, and I believe um, that this dress was made for her specifically and for her friends. Just a huge celebration down there, and she was able to celebrate with her friends in the home uh, about a month ago or so, I believe. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, Berenice, for sharing. Um, If you want to get Diego and Eric on the screen. (laughs) What's up, guys? True story. You know, we go down and we do these basketball um, kind of clinics in the summer. And, you know, me going down there, they're they're the football players. I'm the basketball player. And so I find myself maybe trying to take it easy when we're playing three on three. So we're playing three on three, and these two guys are playing opposite of me. And I'm taking it easy because I think I should do that. All of a sudden, Diego, the guy on the left here, comes up and just swats me. Blocks my shot so bad, I'm like, okay, it's game on now. If that's how you're going to play. Um, Diego's on the left here, and Eric is on the right here. They're two of the older kids at the home. And, uh, and who's that? Is that Aaron?
0: Aaron, hey!
2: Long time no see. If you guys want to just take a quick minute and just share, um, share with us who you are, what you like doing, just open up.
3: What do you got? Okay. compartan qué es lo que compartan lo que quieran compartir ustedes de lo que se ha aprendido en el internado yeah. este bueno pues yo me llamo Eric uh, tengo dieciocho años my name is Eric I'm eighteen years old y he estado aquí desde hace 10 años I've been here for ten years y me me ha gustado mucho porque me han enseñado muchas cosas de cómo vivir y de cosas de Dios. I like this place very much because they've been teaching me a, a lot of things how how to live in the way, of, uh, how to be in ways in the God's way. El escuela la preparatoria. Y estoy en la preparatoria. Gracias a Dios. I'm in high school. ¿Qué quieres hacer para la universidad? Y cuando termine la preparatoria voy a dentist. Uh, this year I will graduate from high school, and I'll be—I'm going to study for be a dentist. Because I want to help the Emmanuel Ministry.
2: Gracias. Thank you.
3: Uh, yo anos I'm Diego. I'm seventeen years old. Eh, estoy aquí desde hace años. I, I've been living here for 11 years. I like this, I like this place because I've been learning uh, about God. Because think of this place I'm, uh, on God's hand. And thanks to this place, I've been learning how to respect people. I'm in high school also. I want to be an architect. <laughs> Thank you. How cool is
2: that? i want going to just um, put uh, Bernice in the screen, too. we a going to quick pray for him before we... Um... Father God, we just um, thank you for who you are. We thank you for being Emmanuel, for being God with us. Thank you specifically for Bernice, for Diego, for Eric, and for the stories that they've shared with us today. We know that you have plans for each and every one of them, God, plans that are good, plans that will give a future and a hope. I just pray that you continue to surround them and all the kids at the home with your hand of protection and your love. Thank you for the relationships that are developing here, Lord. Thank you for these kids. And I just pray that in everything we do, Lord, that your name be glorified and magnified. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's give an adios. Adios. Thanks so much for for sharing, you guys. We'll hopefully be talking to you soon. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, guys. See you later. That's you.
0: Oh, thanks. That was fantastic. Thanks so much. Hey, and thanks to Tim, to Phil, to Levi, to all of you who helped hook this up. Can we get a big hand for them, too? This is, uh, this is great, this is great. Again, one of the things we're going to attempt to do is we're going to try to make these relationships more real. Do you see how, how many of you are here to see Aaron when he was here last week? All right, how, how, you have a plate, now it's real, right? When, he's the guy that, you know, stuck his head there in, in the screen. You have a relationship a little bit with him now. And so then you're able to laugh because you're like, oh, that's Aaron. It's not a statistic. It's not a whatever. It's somebody. It's a a person. It's a person you know. It's a person you care about. We had a chance to take his family, Aaron and his family, to the Minnesota Zoo. On um, on Monday, and it was just so great because again, I've served with him in that setting before, but never up here. And to just watch him as we're going down one of those ramps at the zoo, he just and, and he's got one of those kid carrier things, or those um, renta strollers. And so, packed into that stroller, we got his son, and my two daughters, and he just kind of lets it go on one of the ramps, and is like <laughs> running behind. And they're going ah, and he's laughing. And, See, but that it's, that's real, right? That's, that's the thing that some of us would do, you know, in a similar situation, just to have fun and to just laugh. And again, it just makes it so much more real. Um, Bernice, uh, the, the Emmanuel sends out a, a letter. And um, I'd encourage you, if you didn't get her, this last um, email letter that Emmanuel sends out, just you can just email me and I'll forward it to you. It gives a lot of the background there. She, um, she left a whole lot of stuff out about her situation growing up, which is just horrible just horrible before they got connected with this home and you begin to, to feel what it would be like to be, be her or her brothers, you know, in, in just a horrific situation. So, so if we want to build these relationships, we want to make this so that they're, they're friends and our hope is is that as we're able as a church, I would love with like the new iPhone, if we could ever afford to, to have one of those new iPhones that has um, the video conferencing built in, how cool would it be on a Sunday to have one of those down here and then someone could be translating up here on this end. There's all kinds of things we can do to begin to, um, to build these relationships. You know, this has been a tough, tough, tough series. And one of the th- things that makes it so tough is we get a glimpse at how big the problems are. And that's why at the top of your quotes, as we, as we transition from this seri- series, I put this um, quote at the top of your notes. It says this, don't fail to do something just because you can't do what? Everything. Isn't that great? Don't fail to do something just because you can't do everything. And if you're not doing a something right now, let me give you some suggestions. Some of you are doing something. That's great. Some of you are are, are working in the the city and, and caring with people in Lazarus situations They are building relationships. Fantastic. Keep doing that. Some of you are sponsoring kids through Compassion International, World Vision. Great. Don't shift. Do that. Build that relationship. For those of you... Who wanna do us something? Here's some suggestions. Number one, please pray for Emmanuel Ministries Weekly. And there's a place to write this in your notes. Pray for them every week. There's an intimacy that can develop that the Spirit can give you simply by praying consistently for folks. That's something everyone can do. Also, I'd encourage you to subscribe to Emmanuel's email list. You'll hear stories. You'll get more in touch with some of the things that are happening. And, and they'll become, again, less and less of an organization, more and more about here are the people in, um, uh, that are that are coming together in Jesus' name down there. Another thing that's a bigger step that I'd encourage you to do is to consider sponsoring one of the home's children. Um, we'd love to get you in a relationship with that. Now, you're going to have to be patient. This isn't, this isn't World Vision. This isn't Compassion International where they have a whole system. These are a bunch of people trying to keep these kids healthy and trying to, trying to save them from what's going around there. So it won't be as easy to be in this relationship um, as far as getting back and forth. But we have some people here at our congregation that can help with translation. We want to do everything we can to foster those relationships. If money is especially tight, which is the case for pretty much all of us, um, Tim's got a thing that I want him to tell you about, an opportunity where you could be sponsoring kids without having to figure out where's the money going to come from.
2: So I I think I maybe shared this a few months back, but I've had the opportunity with my basketball ministry to um, do some fundraising with the twins, and where we do some run a nacho stand or a a hot dog stand, and it's a really if you like being outside and you like baseball, it's just a great way to to raise some money. And for those of you that you know maybe thirty bucks a month is a tough thing to do, but you do have one, two, three, four evenings of your choice. Over a six-month season, we're talking about a really long season. If you can do that, you know you can sponsor a kid. And I want to be really aggressive and assertive in in developing a, a large volunteer base um, so that we can sponsor up to twenty-five kids for the year, just through twins, just through donating, volunteering a time of year, you know, a night of your energy. So if you if that's something that interests you, um, or you just want to know more, um, come talk to me. Come talk to my wife Emily. If you can raise your hand or Janet Jameson, also volunteered, I don't know if she's here, I saw her, in the back there, come seek one of us out, and we can just fill you in with more what that might look like. Um, my email, if you want to pull out the green sheet, actually, I think is mistaken, put in there incorrectly, um, instead of tandersonasoups.com, it's .org, so just keep that in mind if, if you want to um, contact me via email, but it's a really fun time, especially when you're doing it with people you know, and um, which we would, which we would be doing, it can be a great way to to sponsor and help support the home. So.
0: Think of that, 25 kids could get sponsored if, if we could get the, the right amount of people to do just four times within, what, six months. That's, that's amazing. So there's things that we can do, regardless of, of, of your budget. There's things that you can do. Again, don't, don't fail to do something because you can do everything. And then the last one to put on this list, and this one you better pray over because you don't want to go into this one not praying over it. Um, this is not for everybody, but we're going to encourage people um, to consider serving at the home this summer. Our family's going down there this weekend. We have a board meeting there in Juarez, so we're, we're going in. Um, and uh, so pray for us and, as well as praying for the home. But uh, we're going to be going down. We'll be taking a team down to Juarez, Mexico this, this summer. So if you'd like to know more about that, after you pray about it, a long time, um, talk to me and we can tell you more about that trip. And Tim is taking a team down this December. So if you want to think about going um, this December, there's an opportunity there. Again, that's not for everybody, um, but it might be for some. Well, at this time, I want to have the worship band come on up. Those are some practical steps that you can, you can take to stay on the train. There are other ones as well. There are a lot of awesome organizations out there doing awesome things all around the world. What I want to challenge you to do is to, to partner up, whether it's an organization, whether it's an individual, partner up, get in a real relationship. So that this doesn't just drift off into the category of, yeah, I was gonna do that, right? All right, well, let me pray, and uh, and then we'll 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 seal this six weeks that we've had with a time of asking God to uh, to be our vision as we go forth. So let me let me pray, and also at this time we'll be receiving um, our uh, our offerings too. Let's pray, Father. Um, we thank you, Father. We thank you that you are calling us out of meaningless living. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you that you use such extreme examples where you literally give examples of people calling forth from the grave to wake us up and to say life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions. We're just chasing the wind if we're trying to live this, this, this American dream rather than letting you be our vision for a life that matters, for a, for a life where, where we are, are able to come in and meet remarkable people in hard circumstances. And, and through that relationship, Lord, we learn, we grow, and we do things that you want to see happen. So, so Father, we pray now that um, your spirit would speak to us as individuals as far as what our, what our steps, what our something is. We offer ourselves to you, Father, as we offer our gifts. We ask that you would be our vision. In Jesus' name, amen.